Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Windsor Johnston. New York City is waking up to tight security this morning ahead of former President Donald Trump's arraignment. Authorities are taking extra security precautions ahead of potential demonstrations throughout the day. NPR's Giles Snyder reports President Biden is downplaying any potential unrest. Reporters asked President Biden if he's worried about unrest in New York while he was touring a factory in Minnesota. He expressed confidence in the NYPD and the legal system. No, I have faith in the New York Police Department. Yes, Demonstrations are expected. Georgia Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene has said she will be protesting Trump's arraignment, prompting New York Mayor Eric Adams to single her out in his remarks, warning what he called rabble-rousers to behave. New York police have placed barricades near Trump Tower and at the criminal court building in Manhattan, where Trump will be arraigned. Giles Snyder, NPR News. Voters are heading to the polls in Wisconsin today for the state's Supreme Court election. The contest between Janet Protasiewicz, a liberal, and Dan Kelly, a conservative, has become the most expensive court race in American history. Wisconsin Public Radio's Anya von Wankendock has more on today's race. About $45 million have been spent in what would normally be a low-key election. That's because whoever wins this race will determine the high court's ideological balance. The court is expected to hear a case challenging Wisconsin's abortion ban, an 1849 law that went into effect after Roe v. Wade was overturned. Barry Burden directs the Elections Research Center at UW-Madison. If you're an activist or a donor, maybe someone who cares about abortion in particular in some other state, You might feel as though Wisconsin is a good place to put your money. The court could also hear a challenge to Wisconsin's legislative maps, which are considered among the nation's most gerrymandered. For NPR News, I'm Anya Van Wagtendonk in Madison. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in Brussels this week for meetings with NATO foreign ministers. Blinken held talks today with the European Union High Representative. Blinken says their discussion focused on the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine and how to support the country in the months ahead. The United States and the EU continue to work in lockstep, together with a broad coalition of partners around the world, to ensure that Ukraine can defend itself, its people, its territory, the right to choose its own path. Blinken says talks between the United States and the European Union are also exploring ways to further reduce Europe's independence on Russian energy. In college basketball, UConn won the NCAA championship last night after beating San Diego State. This is NPR. This is 90.9 WBUR in Boston. Good morning. I'm Deborah Becker. The MBTA is stepping up its efforts to get more workers in an attempt to speed up commuting times. As WBUR's Fausto Menard reports, a key part of the plan is incentives for new employees. The MBTA is increasing its sign-on bonus from $4,500 to $7,500. It's also expanding the number of positions eligible for the extra pay. Starting April 15th, train and trolley operators, rail and track laborers, service technicians, and fuelers can get the bonus. Right now, only bus drivers are eligible. The change comes on the heels of a report from the Massachusetts Taxpayers Foundation that found the T needs to hire 2,800 new workers in the next year to meet its own goal of having 7,600 employees. The T is also holding a series of upcoming recruitment fairs, including four this month. For 90.9 WBUR, I'm Fausto Menard.
Meantime, the T says it wants to improve safety across the organization. Its new safety improvement plan has goals to make the MBTA safer over the next three years. It'll focus on workforce, policies, and how different departments communicate. The plan is in response to last year's safety report from the Federal Transit Administration. The Boston City Council is now considering whether to ban small, single-serving bottles of alcohol. A decision from the council is not expected right away. Way, but yesterday, counselors heard from officials in Newton and Chelsea where the bottles are already banned. Supporters of the ban say it would cut down on litter and public intoxication, but some liquor store owners are opposed. Christian Rosa owns a liquor store in Dorchester. Small businesses, particularly those owned by people of color, are already facing challenges in remaining in our neighborhoods due to the rising prices of rent and property values. The ban would further exacerbate this issue by limiting the revenue streams of the businesses, potentially pushing them out of the communities. Council President Ed Flynn wants to get an economic assessment before moving forward. Police in Southboro are the latest department in the state where officers will start wearing body cameras. The department says all officers and sergeants are now wearing the cameras, and that's about 20 people. The cameras are being paid for with an $80,000 state grant. The time is seven minutes past seven. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by BMW. The BMW i4 has a range of up to 301 miles. It's 100% electric and 100% BMW. In sports, Red Sox lost to the Pittsburgh Pirates 7-6 at Fenway last night. The Sox and Pirates play again tonight. Also tonight, Celtics will visit the Philadelphia 76ers. In our forecast, we may see a shower or two this morning, but sunshine expected this afternoon. Highs in the 60s inland and the 50s along the coast. Tonight, clouds, possible shower to temperatures in the 40s. Tomorrow, looks like we'll see scattered showers with highs in the upper 40s. It is 45 degrees in Boston. WBUR supporters include Fidelity Investments. A dedicated advisor can help create a wealth plan for a full financial picture. More at fidelity.com wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. I'm Lisa Mullins. WBUR and NPR fight hard to get at the truth, to hold powerful people to account, and to shine a light where there is none. Our contributing listeners help to fund our work, not because they have to, but because they believe, as we do, that journalism with real impact is essential to our democracy. Join them. Give at WBUR.org or call 1-800-909-9287. Thanks. And join contributing listeners to WBUR on this day of our spring fundraiser because this day is incredible. We have a great offer for you. Uh, Some members of WBUR's Murrow Society have decided to triple every contribution that comes in today. Triple. So if you are planning maybe a $50 donation at some point, do it today because that becomes a $150 contribution for the news. Anything you can pledge today will be tripled. Thanks so much to members of our Murrow Society, but this is today only. Take advantage of it on this historic day mm-hmm. uh, for the news and make your contribution now. Again, the phone number 800 909 
800-259-9287. The website's WBUR.org. I'm Deborah Becker. With me in the studio this morning, Robin Young, who will be helming our very special coverage yep, later we'll today. Yep, we'll be doing that one thirty, two o'clock, you know, mm-hmm. whenever it warrants. We'll put here now aside for a moment, and I will be joined by uh, Ron Elving or, you know, other NPR reporters mm-hmm. to keep an eye on what's going on. We understand that Donald Trump is going to be first go to the office of District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who he has excoriated, and there he'll be fingerprinted and he'll surrender himself, and then he'll go to the criminal court uh, downtown uh, where he'll be arraigned. Overnight, a court uh, judge decided that there will be no video cameras inside the courtroom, but there will be a still camera. I still don't understand whether or not there's going to be a mugshot because there was concern that uh, former President Trump would gladly use that on merchandise that he would sell. So we'll find out, and we'll also find out what the charges are. You know, there's over 30. Is this just about a hush money payment to Stormy Daniels and campaign finance money, or is there going to be more? 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. You know, for the news coverage that is to come, also for everything that you're going to be hearing all day, um, you know, it's... Uh, It just has been such a time, it's hard to put into words how important it is because we've gotten to the point where words sort of fail. Mm. You know, the importance of a former, the first American president Mm. sitting or former being indicted. I mean, it's just hard to put into words. Everything we're learning about news coverage in this country, the, what's been revealed about Fox News and the texts between some of the p- right. most popular hosts, they didn't believe the things that they were saying on the air about um, election fraud. It's hard to say. It's hard to, to find the words for how important this is. And one word, I guess, is democracy. Let's listen. What are the biggest threats to democracy? Well, misinformation, voter suppression, and how about the steep decline of local journalism? I'm Elsa Chang. WBUR and NPR believe that public media is the enduring future of local reporting. But we won't win the fight on our own. We need more member dollars to be your eyes and ears when important decisions are made, to bring more diverse voices into the conversation, and to be the ones to hold power to account. Become a member today at WBUR.org. You can also call 1-800-909-9287. And we do need more listeners and more contributions from listeners to strengthen local journalism. And we are so fortunate here in Boston to have you as our listeners because we know that so many of you really appreciate the local journalism that we offer you every day. And thank you if you have. But if you haven't, today's a really important day in the WBUR Spring Fundraiser. Mm -hmm. Today, your contribution for the local journalism, the national journalism, all the news and information here at WBUR will be tripled. So take advantage of the fact that your donation to WBUR is tripled today only, thanks to some generous members of our Murrow Society. That's right. 1-800-909-9287. Or go to WBUR.org. See incredible reporting already uh, there when you make your pledge mm-hmm. there. Uh, either way, we'd love to hear from you. And it's for the news, but it's also for the delight. Delightful stories. Deb, yesterday our, our Peter O'Dowd had a story out of Arizona 
about tortoises, including Torty the tortoise, these huge prehistoric things. We learned so much, like don't pick up a tortoise in the desert because they will pee on you and then they will die of dehydration. <laughs> I'm sorry, here, Robin. <laughs> your kids in the car loved that. They loved that. You know, it's the it was such joy to hear that story in the middle of all of this. It's for all of that, 1-800-909. It's true though, <laughs> do not pick up a tortoise. Torty. They'll pee on you. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by AL Prime Energy Consultant, providing wholesale and retail fuel products located in more than 60 communities in and around greater Boston, alprime.com. And the Museum of Science, featuring Arctic Adventure, an immersive Arctic world exploration with technology as your guide. Tickets at mos.org. It's Morning Edition from NPR News. I'm Martinez in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Steve Inskeep in Washington, D.C. The mayor of New York City has a message for people descending on his city to protest. Control yourselves. New York City is our home, not a playground for your misplaced anger. Eric Adams spoke as Donald Trump prepares for a court appearance on his indictment. The former president is back in the center of public attention. He spent the night in his Manhattan apartment and heads downtown to likely have his fingerprints taken today. In a way, New Yorkers know this drill. Presidents often visit the city and their motorcades stop traffic. In this case, police will close several streets for the movements of the former president. Andrea Bernstein joins us now from outside the Manhattan criminal court. She beat the traffic. is there at a ridiculously early hour. Andrea, good morning. Good morning, Steve. Okay, this uh, this court proceeding is not until the afternoon. What's it like there? Do people have coffee? Do people have bagels? What's going on? Oh, yeah. So mostly what there is here is a lot of media. People began lining up yesterday in the middle of the afternoon, reporters, uh, in order to be able to get onto another line this morning for press access to the courtroom. It's just a sign of how unusual, unprecedented this event is, that there are no rules, no guidance. Normally, all of this stuff is secret until the indictment is unsealed. So we do know there is an indictment, uh, and as a result, reporters are here, but no protesters, nobody else. Other than that, there's security, but it feels quite calm here in Lower Manhattan. I'm still just worried about you. Can you get a cup of coffee, anything the next eight hours? I I brought coffee and snacks. Okay, good. Uh, due to the unpredictability of how the day will roll out. Okay, so as best you can tell, what is supposed to unfold in the courtroom later today? So we won't be allowed in until the middle of the day, but we are expecting the former president to arrive here sometime in the middle-ish of the day. No precise details have been given. Uh, Procedure calls for him to be fingerprinted, processed and eventually walked to the courtroom, which is on the 15th floor of this building. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty long hallway down to the courtroom at the end of the hall with Judge Juan Mershon. Okay, and I guess we'll find out the details of this indictment, which will remind people involve payoffs, hush money to an adult film star, although not strictly the payoffs, but covering up the payoffs. That's the alleged crime here, right? Right. The alleged crime here has to do with the fact that Michael Cohen, Trump's attorney at the time, was reimbursed for the hush money payment with uh, checks that were written out over a year and that were described in the Trump organization's internal systems as 
legal retainers, which of course they were not, and we've known uh, that they were not for years because of the federal court case involving Mr. Cohen. The question is, is for each of these 11 checks, are there charges associated with them? One former prosecutor suggested to me that there might be several associated with each check, which could bring us up to a substantial number of charges. But again, we will not know until the indictment is unsealed in the courtroom this afternoon. What does Trump do after he leaves court? So we understand that uh, he goes back to Mar-a-Lago, which is again quite a change of scene from this dilapidated courthouse where he will be appearing today. Okay, he'll have a speech tonight, a primetime speech tonight, we're told. Andrea Bernstein, thanks so much. Thank you. It is reasonable to expect gas prices to climb soon. OPEC Plus, a group of oil-producing nations and their allies, voted to cut production last weekend. The laws of supply and demand apply here. If you cut the supply, you may push up prices, depending on what else happens. This is an old, 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 old story. The oil cartel led by Saudi Arabia tweaks production in some way, and if Americans dislike it, they complain. Just last fall, President Biden warned the Saudis of consequences for cutting production. Ellen R. Wald argues that we're thinking about this old story a little wrong. She's at the Atlantic Council, which is a think tank, and she wrote the book Saudi Inc. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. What are we missing when we think about the story that way? Well, we seem to be very much stuck in the 1970s, 1980s, even 1990s um, uh, view where America is a huge oil importer. We're a big oil consumer and we depend on Saudi Arabia and also OPEC to modulate oil prices. And that's really no longer the case. Yes, America is still the largest oil consumer in the world, but we're also the largest oil producer in the world right now, and we have been uh, for, for several years. And so uh, we're no longer importing the same amount of oil. In fact, we're a net oil exporter. We export lots of crude oil and oil products. And so if we need to change the way that we think about our role in the oil market, um, and I think we could better utilize some of our positions so that we could impact oil prices and not just uh, sit back and let OPEC do all the, the oil manipulating. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that if OPEC plus cuts uh, production by 1.6 barrels of oil per day, the United States could jack up production? That's definitely an option. Um, in fact, we saw that happening a lot during um, the big uh, shale oil boom uh, several years ago. Right now, the industry really isn't in a position in terms of the amount of capital it has access to to uh, suddenly just increase production. But there are definitely things that we could do uh, from a government perspective in terms of how we're regulating the industry and how we treat the industry that would certainly make it possible for our oil production to grow. Uh, and we could also do things on the demand side. In fact, uh, before OPEC made this decision to voluntarily cut their production, the United States has been talking about making some really big purchases uh, of oil to refill the SPR. And then hmm. they suddenly just turned around and said, oh, we're, we're not really prepared to do that now, even though we said we were. So we have uh, the ability on both the supply and demand side to 
potentially impact prices, we're just not doing it. Instead, we just kind of complain to Saudi Arabia and get mad at them. Uh, and that's not really a productive way to look at things. I'll just define a term. You said SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And I guess the U.S., if it's buying oil to put in or taking oil out, that can affect oil prices, of course. Um, in the past, it seems to me that American presidents have been able to call up the Saudis and say, listen, I need a little help here. Uh, I need to keep production high. And it seems they have been cooperative, not all the time, but at crucial times in the past in ways that seem really against their short-term interests, but better for the U.S. or better for the U.S. view of the world. Are the Saudis less willing to be compliant in that way these days? I think they are. And I do think part of that has to do with the fact that the U.S. is no longer Saudi Arabia's most important customer. Right now, that's China. Um, Saudi Arabia exports a lot of oil to China. It just signed some brand new deals uh, with Chinese companies that will tie up uh, at least 600,000 barrels a day of oil production in the coming years. So they're really much more oriented toward China and what China's doing. And if they're concerned maybe about China's demand, then that might give them reason to uh, kind of cut production for a little while and um, be more concerned about what's going on in China as opposed to what's going on in the United States. Are they being an ally to China then or just looking after their own bottom line, their own interests? I'd say they're mostly looking after their bottom line. And right now, that's not just the United States. That's China. That's also maintaining a good producer-producer relationship with Russia. And the United States might not like that, but uh, that's the reality of the situation now. Well, I just ask very briefly, is it good for Russia when production is cut like this? Um, right now, that seems to be what Russia wants to do to, to push up oil prices. So, yes, Saudi Arabia and Russia are definitely cooperating in there. Ellen R. Wald, who wrote the book Saudi Inc. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. Now, in addition to oil from OPEC, the Biden administration worries about social media from China. Globalization. The U.S. is pushing the owners of TikTok to sell out or be shut down. So what would that mean for artists who made their names on TikTok? NPR's Lily Quiroz met one. Ty Verdes is one artist who got a record deal after his songs went viral on TikTok. You may recognize this one. Living in this big blue world With my head up in outer space I know I'll be A-O, A-OK Or this one. She said, you're a player, aren't you? I hope you know that it shows my first song that I posted to TikTok was Stuck in the Middle. And then five months later, I had a record deal. And then I had another one in 2022. And it is very fast for an artist who just started putting out music. You get to skip a couple of steps. Verde says being discovered on TikTok changes the power balance for musicians. TikTok is really just changing the entire way that a smaller artist can take on the touring industry, take on the merch industry, take on basically every part of the industry. <laughs> you have the ability to make a deal that is positive towards you. Right now, I own my master's, I own my publishing, and I'm on a distribution deal. Super positive, super creative friendly towards me. Verdes isn't the only TikToker to get a boost from the app. It's about damn time. In a minute, I'm need a sentimental man or woman to pump me up. Artists like Lizzo gained a lot of traction on TikTok when users created their own dance videos to her music. And TikTok makes that transition even easier. You make a song and now everybody in the world has access. Basically, you're giving people a soundtrack to their life. 
Some videos are also used to protest. Baby, calm down, calm down. That's Calm Down by Rema. The hashtag Dance for Iran went viral after five young Iranian women were detained for dancing to it on TikTok without their hijabs. But even if the app is banned, Verdez says musicians will always find a path to a bigger stage. Musicians will figure out a way to become more powerful, no matter what. If it's not TikTok, it's Discord. If it's not Discord, it's Twitch. There's different ways for artists to move forward. No matter what regulations happen, it's going to prevail, this connection between humans. Lily Quiroz, NPR News. This is NPR News. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Exclusion U, a film about the controversy over Ivy League admissions and endowments. World premiere in Cambridge, April 17th. Registration at exclusionletteru.com. The John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping public radio advance journalistic excellence in the digital age, informed communities essential for healthy democracy, knightfoundation.org. And Serta Pro Painters, professional exterior and interior painting for your home or business. Learn more about their painting services at SertaPro.com. That's Serta with a C. I'm Rupa Shanoi. Local journalism is the backbone of vibrant, engaged local communities. When local journalism disappears, civic engagement goes with it. WBUR's journalism is strong, but we don't take it for granted, and we hope you won't either. Our future is not guaranteed. We need your monthly contribution to keep our journalism and our local communities strong. Give today at WBUR.org or call 1-800-909-9287. And give today, because on this day of WBUR's spring fundraiser, your contribution for the news is tripled. I'm Deborah Becker. Robin Young is here with me, too. She's making those sounds in the background. I'm in shock. I'll be over here in shock. Triple contribution today. So say you were thinking about, I don't know, $25. It's $75 today. $50, $150. You get it. It is tripled today thanks to some generous members of WBUR's Murrow Society. But this is it. This is our spring fundraiser. This is how we raise the money to really be a part of your community to help bring the community together with thoughtful reporting on on various issues. And we're gearing up for this historic day of news coverage today that Robin will really be leading for National Public Radio today. And we're asking you, can you take a minute right now? Can you pledge? Can you donate for that type of news coverage? And can you do it today because it will be tripled, tripled? Mm -hmm. Do it now, 1-800-909-909. 9287 or pledge online at WBUR.org. 1-800-909-9287 or online, WBUR.org. So easy, you know, at your own convenience. But yeah, do it now for that incredible triple pledge, but also because we're probably not going to be doing fundraising this afternoon. We have some important news to cover, so we're going to be losing that time. Hmm, we don't what care. News is that? Oh, yeah, yeah you that. know, that little thing of the first arraignment of an American president sitting or otherwise ever. Uh, the first indictment served. We're going to find out what is in that indictment this afternoon. So do it for that reason. Do it for, as, you know, Deb said, this is your community. Mm-hmm. This is where you live. And this is primarily, you know, the news that we bring you. Sure, national, international news, but it's the news about what's going on 
on your own backyard. And just a little uh, digression here. Mm-hmm. We're going to be focusing on New York this afternoon. New York is focusing on Boston. Have you heard about this new ad campaign? <laughs> you know, the, the We Heart New York campaign. Yes. They've revived it. And the first billboards <laughs> they put all over New York are, we get more done by 8 a.m. than Boston does in a day. What? Yeah. Why are they focusing on Boston? It's, people online said things like, hey, if you're name-checking Boston, we're living rent-free in your head. Someone else says, yeah, like you never think about Boston. You know, we're one-tenth your size. I don't know why they're picking on Boston. Be- yeah. Why? Because they, they're they jealous. They're jealous of your community. 1-800-909-9287, WBUR.org. Better town, better public radio. We're better. Oh, oh, oh I know. I just threw down a gauntlet there, words. didn't I? Yeah, you did. It's because, you know, we're it's the ones. Yankees Red Sox thing. <laughs> we're the ones who have the heart. Uh, and so does public media. Let's listen. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call. We are not going to start any fights uh, during this day of fundraising. I'm, I'm using my best mom voice here. We yeah, are not starting Don't make me any, come down there. <laughs> we are not starting any fights here, Robin. We are just simply asking you to make a pledge for WBUR right now to make that contribution for the news and to remember that your contribution today is tripled. Thank you so much to the generous members of our Moreau Society who know that lots of contributions will help us have the resources we need to bring you the news that you count on. But we need everyone to participate. So they are offering this triple match, triple, today only. So do it now. It takes just about a minute. 1-800-909-9287. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Another thing about this New York ad, we get more done by 8 a.m., than Boston does in a day. You are so offended by this. Well, apparently they hadn't heard of a WBUR fundraiser. <laughs> We're doing more by 8 a.m. than anyone in New York because of you. 1-800-909. Take that, New York. Yeah. Take that. Put that on a billboard. <laughs> 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Come on, do more before 8 o'clock. Support for NPR comes from this station. And from UMA, a cloud-based phone service for any size business with an automated virtual receptionist, video meetings, and other features to connect to customers and coworkers anywhere at uma.com NPR. From Progressive Insurance, where drivers can compare direct rates using Progressive's rate comparison tool. Customers can see options and rates side by side. More at progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. And from the Association of Plastic Recyclers, whose member companies recycle plastic packaging into new products, working towards a world where everyone uses less by recycling more. Learn more at plasticsrecycling.org. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Nora Rahm. Former President Trump is to appear in a Manhattan court this afternoon. He'll be arraigned on charges connected to the payment of money to an adult film star shortly before the 2016 election. NPR's Ilya Maritz tells us what to expect. Trump will be fingerprinted, photographed, and then brought before a judge. Trump's lawyers have already said he will fight the charges. Over the past few days, the former president has used his social media platform to attack the judge and the prosecutor in this case. For his part, District Attorney Alvin Bragg has said Trump should be treated as much as possible like any other criminal defendant. Trump is scheduled to hold a rally at his Florida resort tonight. At the United Nations yesterday, Russia assumed the presidency of the U.N. Security Council for the month of April. 
the U.N. body charged with maintaining international peace and security. This is part of a monthly rotation among the 15 Security Council members. Linda Fisulo has more on the story. Russia's ambassador Vasily Nebenzio said his country doesn't intend to use the post in defense of its invasion of Ukraine. U.S. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield said the U.S. expects the Russians to behave professionally, but also use their position to spread disinformation. The Russian ambassador described the ICC arrest warrant against Russian President Vladimir Putin as stupid and illegitimate. You're listening to NPR News from Washington. This is 90.9 WBUR in Boston. Good morning. I'm Deborah Becker. Massachusetts is getting almost $26 million to improve its water systems. It's part of an almost $60 million that New England is receiving from the Federal Environmental Protection Agency. The money will be used for water efficiency and pollution mitigation. That includes work to clean up the forever chemicals known as PFAS. The owners of a hotel in Revere are suing the city of Boston seeking more than $600,000. The lawsuit claims in 2021, the Boston Public Health Commission agreed to rent out all rooms at the Quality Inn in Revere. The Boston Herald reports that the city planned to temporarily house people who were staying at an encampment near the intersection of Massachusetts Avenue and Melnia Cass Boulevard. But the hotel says no one ever stayed there and the city didn't pay. Southeastern Massachusetts will start an ad campaign to bring in tourists from other parts of the country during during the off-season, the president and CEO of the group C. Plymouth is Lee Filson, who says the tourism organization will run a national campaign starting this fall. Our focus is going to be on all of the reasons that this is the great place to go during off-season to vacation. We've got a better price point. We're a lot cheaper than a lot of other places that you would go to find the same things. We're, we've got quaint New England throughout all of our county. The campaign is being funded with a million-dollar federal grant. The time is 734. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Boston Ballet's Our Journey with La Mer, a world premiere about ocean preservation by choreographer Nanine Linning, April 6th to 16th, bostonballet.org. In sports, Red Sox fell to the Pittsburgh Pirates 7-6 to at Fenway last night. Both teams hit three home runs in the game. The Sox and Pirates will play again tonight. Also tonight, Celtics visit the Philadelphia 76ers. There are just four games left in the regular season for Boston. And our weather forecast. A few clouds this morning, maybe a shower or two, but sunshine this afternoon. Highs inland in the 60s. Today, it'll be a bit cooler at the coast. Tonight, clouds, possible shower or two, temperatures in the 40s. Looks like scattered showers tomorrow. Highs in the upper 40s and a few showers Thursday, but temperatures near 70 degrees. It is 46 degrees right now in Boston. Support for NPR comes from this station and from Charles Schwab, dedicated to serving clients with 24-7 live support. The people at Schwab are committed to helping clients on their investing journey. Learn more at schwab.com. From iDrive with Remote PC, providing remote access to PCs, Macs, and servers from anywhere. Designed to assist those working from home. More at remotepc.com. And from listeners like you who donate to this NPR station. It's Morning Edition from NPR News. I'm A. Martinez in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Steve Inskeep in Washington, D.C. Chicago chooses a new mayor today. 
We know the mayor will not be Lori Lightfoot, the incumbent lost in the primary some weeks ago. Two candidates remain for today's general election. Brandon Johnson, who's a county commissioner, and Paul Vallis, a former leader of the schools in Chicago. Both are Democrats, although they take different approaches to the big issues of a big city. Mariah Wolfel is the city government reporter for our member station WBEZ, and of course she's been covering this race. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. What's it been like covering this campaign the last few weeks? So it's been crazy here. You know, candidates have five to ten campaign stops every single day. Um, candidates are crisscrossing the city. Chicago is a large city. It's a city of more than two million people, but it's also a segregated city with different demographics and different pockets and sides. And yeah, candidates have really been trying to reach each of those different little pockets on their campaign trail. As you follow the candidates from one neighborhood to another, different incomes, different races, different kinds of people, do you hear common themes in people's concerns? Sure. I mean, crime is a big one. You can't ignore crime. Chicago, like every other city throughout the pandemic or most other cities, saw a rise in crime that's just been unacceptable to residents. Of course, Chicago has dealt with staggering gun violence for decades, but this has really become the forefront of this election. And especially during this runoff, because you have two candidates who are very opposite on how they would address crime. What do you mean? So you have Paul Vallis, who wants to take a more traditional approach to addressing crime. He thinks that the answer to many of the city's problems is to boost police ranks and to boost police morale by having a mayor who supports the police and who comes from a first responder family. And then you have Brandon Johnson, um, who's a more progressive candidate, who wants to do some of those things. You know, he wants to hire 200 more detectives to solve more crime, but has really focused his campaign on trying to address the root causes of violence, um, you know, shift 911 calls that involve a mental health crisis to mental health responders instead of police. So we have a reflection of the debate within the Democratic Party and the country, really, about how to approach crime. Is there another big divide between these two candidates? Sure. One major divide is these candidates' approach to public schools. Um, the Chicago Public Schools has a lot of issues facing it. It's been losing students. It has a big fiscal cliff facing it in the next few years. And you really couldn't have two candidates who are more opposed on how to address those issues. You have Paul Vallis, who started his career in the 90s as the head of Chicago Public Schools, but then went on to really build this career, this controversial reputation as the Mr. Fix-It of school districts by building and bringing in droves of charter schools in the cities where he's worked. Charter schools are privately run but publicly funded schools that provide a different option to families when their neighborhood school isn't, you know, up to par. And then you have Brandon Johnson, who really believes that charter schools have degraded public schools by allowing families to leave their public school option. Um, and he wants to invest in those public schools, keep them open, you know, even the underperforming, underenrolled ones. And this is a big issue in Chicago as we're, you know, in the next few years moving to an elected school board and we have a moratorium on school closings lifting in the city. And so the next four years is going to be pivotal for public education as well. Is this dominating conversation as the election arrives? I think it is because, you know, people people are focusing on the differences between those two candidates and those two crime and public education are just huge. And I think people think they paint a picture of what kind of leader each of these two candidates would be. Mariah Wolfel of WBEZ, thanks so much. Thanks, Steve. In the run-up to Wisconsin State's Supreme Court election today, one organization has been courting the vote on dating apps. WUWM's Lena Tran explains. When Noah Turacek matched with Christy Johnston on Hinge, he was immediately suspicious. 
Johnston had NextGen in her bio, which rang a bell. Turacek had heard about the progressive organization getting out the vote on dating apps back in 2020. The first message of me reaching out was, was she here for a connection or is she here trying to get me to pledge my vote? Johnston's reply? And I was like, which one do you think? Yeah, it's, it's a cute, it's a cute interaction. Johnston is NextGen's press secretary and an avid Hinge dater. Along with 20 volunteer daters, she set her app location to the Badger State to connect with young people. She lives in the Bay Area, but expertly designed her profile to entice Wisconsin matches. There was the cheesehead hat photo and the Green Bay Packers pickup line. What if I told you that Aaron Rodgers might leave you, but I never would? Turacek, a 26-year-old data engineer, lives in Madison, Wisconsin. That means he votes in a swing state, getting ready to elect a justice to the state Supreme Court. In the technically nonpartisan race, the stakes are high. Who wins will decide the balance of the court, conservative or liberal? In the coming years, the court is expected to rule on Wisconsin's abortion ban and election maps. That's why traditional tactics aren't enough. Many are quick to send stop to a campaign text or hang up on a phone banker. But on dating apps, it's normal to talk to strangers. I appreciate how personal it actually is because they're treating me like a human, not necessarily just a phone number or someone to call. William Blathris, a sophomore at UW-Madison and chairman of Wisconsin College Republicans, is skeptical of the dating apps. Still, he says there's a lesson here for conservatives. I think, like, authentic connection really matters. Blathris says when it comes to engaging Gen Z, the Wisconsin Republican Party lags behind Democrats. In last year's midterms, 70 percent of voters under 30 chose incumbent Democratic Governor Tony Evers over the Republican challenger. Republicans do have a shot with Zoomers, though. In a recent poll, 30 percent of Gen Zers said they align with Democrats, while roughly a quarter said they're with Republicans. Blatheris says that's why the party should invest in young conservatives. It starts with online presence. Currently, the aesthetic is like your mom's or your grandma's Facebook page. That's something Maddie Medved sees a lot. The 26-year-old is co-CEO of Girl and the Gov, a political media company for millennial and Gen Z women. When she consults with candidates, it's all about reaching the right voters. In this election, there's been record TV ad spending, but... Our generation's not really... We're not paying for cable anymore. We're paying for streaming services or we're watching TikToks all night. (laughs) So Medved wants to see innovation. A lot of campaigns, they have kind of a text message send goal. I think it's become kind of a quantity over quality mindset in some of these organizing tactics. Turacek says he was planning to vote anyway, but a quality interaction had him reading up on the race. Me getting more information came from just doing background so that we could have more things to talk about. Plus, the operation wasn't purely political. Here's Johnston. I would say I'm in love right now. I'm just so blown away by the niceness of Wisconsin boys. I'm in love with each and every one of them. She and Turacek are getting drinks on Zoom. And she's cooking up plans to go to a Packers game with another match. She just needs to book a flight to Green Bay. For NPR News, I'm Lena Tran in Milwaukee. This is NPR News. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by the BU Center on Forced Displacement. Presenting Abdul Razak Gurnah. 
winner of the 2021 Nobel Prize in Literature, Monday, April 24th, 6 p.m. at Morse Auditorium. Gurnaz novels record the struggles and triumphs of those displaced in decolonizing Africa. Tickets at bu.edu slash cfd. This is WBUR. Our forecast is calling for sunshine later today. Temperatures in the 60s inland and the 50s along the coast. Clouds, maybe showers tonight with lows in the 40s. 45 degrees right now in Boston. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by ThoughtForms Custom Builders, building healthy, high-performance homes for families and for the future, supporting Riverside Community Care, helping make a difference in the community by delivering innovative and compassionate behavioral health care and human services. More at RiversideCC.org at ThoughtForms-Corp.com. I'm Lisa Mullins. WBUR is here to help us all think harder. When we tell you a story, we think about how it'll touch your mind and sometimes your heart. Support journalism that has deep meaning in your life by giving monthly at WBUR.org. You can also make your contribution to WBUR by calling 1-800-909-9287. I'm Deborah Becker in the studio this morning with Robin Young. And you know what? This is an important day of the Spring Fun Drive here at WBUR for a variety of reasons. But here's a few. Tomorrow, this fundraiser is ending. So if you've been listening, you've been meaning to make that contribution for the news, knowing that you should be paying for the public radio that you listen to, do it now because not only does it end tomorrow, but today only, we have a triple, a triple Wonderful. match on the table. Which That's is... three people. That's three <laughs> times. Three. Were you going to make a $10 pledge? It'll be 30 $100 yeah. pledge, 300 So do it today and let your contribution to WBUR go three times as far. Here's the number again. It's 1-800-909-9287. one 909 Jay, the boss of us, does that mean for like a monthly contribution? It would be three... For a year. Oh, up to a year. Jay, the boss of us. He is the <laughs> boss of us. Um, that means, oh my gosh, I go that route. You know, just make your monthly pledge and it'll be three times that monthly pledge for a year. Mm. I mean, we don't want to, you know, t- put these poor people, you know, out on the street, <laughs> these <laughs> members of the Moral Society uh, who are doing this. But do it now to get that pledge and do it because... It is also a huge day in American history. We're going to be covering that for you. And by the way, as the former President Trump goes in to have the indictment unsealed and we Mm. see the charges against him, I've heard people say, Deb, well, this is partisan. You know, these were some big deal mucky mucks who decided this. No, a grand jury is made up of people who get called for jury duty. And in this case in New York, uh, it was 24 people, 23 rather, 23 grand jurors, randomly chosen. They were just like any kind of jury pool. The judge was not involved. They met. They decided. They don't have to come to a a unanimous agreement as you would in a trial. They just have to have a majority. So 12 people in New York, just random people, decided that this was worth indicting, whatever the case against Donald Trump was. That's what's happening today. We'll see what the charges are. Can you help us pay for the coverage of that. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. We know what WBUR means to listeners. Listening to WBUR really gives me a precise understanding of what's going on in a very short amount of time. I get a little smarter every time I listen and I learn all types of different information. It's the sort of programming that helps me understand myself and helps me understand the world around me better. 
I want to be able to participate in conversations and really contribute to what's going on around me and in the world and, and just to be conscious about what's happening in my life. It's just an opportunity to learn about so many different subjects, learn about different places in the world that I never would otherwise have been exposed to. For all the ways WBUR enriches your life, give monthly at WBUR.org. Or you can give by calling 1-800-909-9287. Really heartening to hear from listeners about what they get from WBUR. And Mm -hmm. if you know that you are learning all types of information about the world, that you know that WBUR helps you understand the world better, makes you more conscious about what's going on in your community, well, that's what we're asking you to make a donation for today and remind you that we have a special, a big thing on the table here today. Uh, Your contribution for the news will be tripled thanks to some generous members of our Moreau Society who have agreed to triple every pledge today. So make yours now. The fundraiser ends tomorrow. That's it. Ooh, yes. It is over tomorrow. Party hats. (laughs) So we're counting on you to do your part today and do it today because you're saying, you know what, I appreciate all the coverage, but it's also a historic news day. Yes, it is. 1-800-909-9287. Or if you can't remember that, which we understand, it's uh, 1-800-90.9-WBUR. See what we did there? Or go to the website, WBUR.org. That's much more convenient, easier. Uh, And there's so much that's already there, Uh, so much news and reporting that's already there. So check that out. 1-800-909-9287. Go online, WBUR.org. Whatever you do, please do it now because this triple pledge is going to end when? Today. Yeah. So, and the fundraiser ends tomorrow. That's right. I mean, look tidy. We're <laughs> wrapping this thing up. 1-800-909-9287. WBUR.org. And thank you. WBUR supporters include the law firm of Nutter, McLennan and Fish, counsel to leading companies and institutions for more than a century. Client-focused, collaborative, this is Nutter. Online at Nutter.com. You're listening to Morning Edition on 90.9 WBUR. Good morning. I'm Deborah Becker. If you do an internet search for an image of a wave, one of the top results will be a tiny curling blue image that's not from nature. Boston Museum of Fine Arts curatorial assistant Kendall DeBoer says it's a work of art that's become an icon. The wave is everywhere, whether we know it or not, even in our phones as an emoji, or when I'm driving around Rhode Island, the license plates even have a little silhouette that looks like the wave. The MFA is diving into how this 19th century print and the Japanese master who made it have inspired generations of artists. WBUR's Andrea Shea takes us to this new exhibition. More than 300 artworks spanning genres and time periods fill room after room in the show Hokusai, Inspiration, and Influence. But the MFA's Kendall DeBoer says the Great Wave is the star of the show. It's this towering navy cobalt wave with white foam bubbling up and curling in tendrils outward, and then two long boats. And you kind of get this grand sense of scale because Mount Fuji is really far in the background. 
While the crest in the foreground is huge, the framed woodblock print is not. It's like the Mona Lisa, it's like the scream. It's an image that's larger than life in our heads. So when we approach it, it's kind of interesting to see that it's not even two feet wide. This small but mighty image has been riffed on posters, t-shirts, tattoos, and memes. It's almost like a kitsch icon or a mass-produced pop icon. And we learned before running this show that so many people can identify the visual of the wave, but not necessarily the artist's name, Hokusai. Katsushika Hokusai was born in 1760. And MFA curator of Japanese art, Sarah Thompson, says he was quite a character. As a teen, Hokusai ran away from his rich adoptive uncle and became a prolific artist. Over his long career, he produced some 30,000 paintings, illustrations, and woodblock prints. He was a commercial artist. He and his publishers were trying to appeal to as many people as possible, and they succeeded beyond their wildest dreams. Hokusai became a household name in Japan. His versatility with subjects including warriors, animals, Mount Fuji, and creepy ghosts inspired students and rivals. Hokusai died in 1849, but his legacy and the wave live on. Thompson believes the image's ambiguity, with its tiny humans on boats battling the raging sea, fuels its enduring appeal. We don't know for sure whether or not those men in the boats are going to make it or not. I think they are, but uh, there's a certain amount of suspense in the picture. Kendall DeBoer says it channels fear, overwhelm, and awe in ways that have spoken to artists throughout history. I think the wave has a sort of captivating visual appeal, an aesthetic appeal, but also can open a lot of different emotional responses or associations. When Hookside's prints reached Europe after his death, they wowed impressionists including Monet and Van Gogh. The wave inspired composer Claude Debussy to write his piece, La Mer. For this show, DeBoer helped find dozens of 20 and 21st century works that reference the wave, directly or indirectly. But why has Hokusai captured so many different artists' imaginations over time? Well, Roy Lichtenstein said it was because he's a master of mixing the high and low. He was able to have like a big fine arts appeal, but also that popular appeal that we've been talking about. Lichtenstein's 1963 homage to Hokusai, the comic book style painting Drowning Girl, is here on loan from the Museum of Modern Art. DeBoer tracked down a 1980s drawing by Andy Warhol called The Great Wave After Hokusai at That Pop Masters Museum in Pittsburgh. And the image's ripple effect continues to entice a new generation of artists, including Junpei Mitsui. He says it took 400 hours to assemble his three-dimensional play on the wave that's made of 50,000 Legos. I think... Hokusai extracts the essence of the wave. Uh, he describes the wave as a very energetic and uh, very powerful thing. I also try to do the same thing. Mitsui's piece occupies a large glass case just steps away from Hokusai's print. The 35-year-old hopes viewers will feel like the little Lego boatman riding a churning bright blue and white Lego sea. In Japan, Mitsui says he observed the ocean and studied Hokusai's print so he could recreate its drama. I just respect him and I'd like to expand his vision my way. 
Mitsui says he's honored his wave is here in conversation with works by so many great artists, including Hokusai. For him, it feels like a tsunami of inspiration. Audiences can catch all of their waves at the MFA through July 16th. For 90.9 WBUR, I'm Andrea Shea. Funded by you, our listeners, and by Longy School of Music's Gala Benefit Concert, April 19th. Paquito de Rivera receives the Leonard Bernstein Award. Tickets at longy.edu slash gala. Hi, I'm Cristela Guerra. I'm Amelia Mason. I'm Ariel Gray. And I'm Andrea Shea. We're WBUR's arts and culture reporters. Every year, we fan out to find emerging artists of color for our series, The Makers. It's a lot of work, but we're honored to share their boundless creativity, which comes in so many forms. You would have known that I wasn't strong enough to hold on. If you'd have loved me when I was with you. There's music, photography, sculpture, dance, storytelling, even... Yes, motorcycles. The Makers is just one of the ways we help you discover and learn about the groundbreaking artists in our midst. Boston's vibrant art scene is crucial to seeing and understanding ourselves in ways nothing else can. I think that is the power of art, that it's like an alchemy. You can take even your struggles and you can convert it into something beautiful that other people can experience and and be fulfilled by. Your support today will help us introduce you to the next Maker. The next painter. The next sculptor. The next musician. I'm not just a boy, I'm a man. I'm not just a man, I'm a god. I'm not just a god, I'm a maker. This is 90.9 WBUR. I'm Deborah Becker. I'm here with Robin Young. And I want to say something else your support today will do, because uh, not only does it help provide you with all kinds of coverage and about the news and about new discoveries and about the arts and culture, but, you know, we bring you all of it every day. And it's expensive. So during this spring fundraiser, we've been raising the money to try to bring you the news. But today, Mm -hmm. your contribution for the news here at WBUR, and today only, your pledge will be tripled. It will go three times as far. So if you were going to pledge, say, $100 for the news, it'll be 300 That's right. Tripled today because of some generous members of our Moreau Society. And the fundraiser ends tomorrow. So it's really important that you give now, give today for all of the news and information at WBUR, but also give today because your donation is tripled. 1-800-909-9287. WBUR.org. Give today uh, because your opportunity, it's an opportunity mm, for you to, to support the station. It's going to end tomorrow, which I'm astonished by. It feels like we just started yesterday, <laughs> but it's going to wrap up tomorrow. And it's for what you've been hearing about the arts and culture, the breaking news, like uh, we're going to have later today with the indictment unsealed of uh, former President Trump. It's for, though, everything that's going on in your back backyard, the things that are 
going to affect you more closely and directly than a lot of the national news. It's for climate change. Barbara Moran and her terrific reporting on mm-hmm. PFAS, these you know forever chemicals. It's the tea. Oh my gosh, the endless discussion of the tea. It's for Deb Becker and Martha Biebinger and their steadfast, devoted coverage of mental health and addiction issues. 1-800-909-9287 WBUR.org What does it mean to you? What is it, and what can you do? Because we know not everybody can do something. Right. Uh, make that call right now. 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. And make that donation because it really is a big day in this spring fundraiser. And, and we know that you realize that you should contribute to the news. But did you also know that you are the main source of revenue for this radio station? We mm-hmm. just go on the air a few times and ask you, do you like what you hear? Well, please give now. And you can hear your money being put to good use, right? Our content is on the air. It's online. You can listen it's off on the your charts. phone. It's podcasts. It's here for you. We have national programming with Robin Young, who will, by the way, be anchoring NPR's coverage yep. of the president's uh, arraignment, to former president's arraignment today. So please give now for all of that news and information, but give because your donation is tripled today. 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. Thank you. Support for NPR comes from this station and from your part-time controller, specializing in nonprofit accounting. Your part-time controller helps nonprofit organizations with their accounting needs remotely or in person. More at yourparttimecontroller.com. And from BritBox with Sister Boniface Mysteries. Brilliant crime-solving nun Sister Boniface returns to solve curious cases in this Father Brown spin-off. Available to stream at BritBox.com slash NPR. I'm senior business reporter Yasmin Amr. This is 90.9 WBUR-FM Boston, 92.7 WBUA-Tisbury, and 89.1 WBUH-Brewster. Listen anytime with our app or at WBUR.org. WBUR, Boston's NPR news station. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Windsor Johnston. Former President Donald Trump will be arraigned in New York City today, nearly a week after the Manhattan District Attorney issued a criminal indictment against him. The charges stem from hush money payments made to an adult film star in 2016. NPR's Jasmine Guards reports a group of Trump supporters were on hand when he arrived in the city on Monday. A handful of Trump supporters gathered to greet the former president as he arrived at Trump Towers in Manhattan. Parts of the city were barricaded and there was heavy NYPD presence. Eric Berend was among the supporters. He says he believes Trump is being persecuted. I think that it's almost uh, nakedly apparent that there is a strong political aspect to all of this. Trump will head to a Manhattan courthouse where he is expected to be fingerprinted and photographed before having the charges read to him in the courtroom. Jasmine Garst, NPR News, New York. Two Florida Democratic leaders were arrested last night during a demonstration near the state Capitol building. Regan McCarthy of member station WFSU reports the protesters were advocating for access to abortion. 
State Senate Minority Leader Lauren Book and Democratic Party Chair Nikki Freed joined protesters as they sat in a circle holding hands and singing after officers warned them they faced arrest if they didn't leave the area. Freed urged the group to take their fight to the ballot box. We are going to hold accountable every single elected official who voted for an all-out, because that's what this is, an abortion ban. A bill that would ban most abortions after six weeks passed in the Senate Monday. The House version of the measure is ready for the floor. For NPR News, I'm Regan McCarthy in Tallahassee. A federal judge in Alaska has approved the controversial willow oil drilling project in the western Arctic. Alaska Public Media's Liz Ruskin has more. District Court Judge Sharon Gleason denied requests from environmental groups for an injunction to block Conoco in the final weeks of the winter construction season. Conoco Phillips planned to begin work immediately, but environmental groups have already filed a notice of appeal to the circuit court in a bid to stop the company from building roads and mining for material to build gravel paths. Willow is the largest oil and gas project currently planned for federal land. Opponents call it a climate bomb and say it will continue the country's dependence on fossil fuels for 30 years. They're also concerned it will displace caribou and other wildlife. For NPR News, I'm Liz Ruskin. This is NPR News. This is 90.9 WBUR in Boston. Good morning. I'm Deborah Becker. The T says it will improve safety across the organization. Its new safety improvement plan pledges to make the MBTA safer over the next three years. The proposal includes increasing staffing at the T, updating training, and planning to limit slowdowns. It would also put crash prevention technology on the green line by the end of 2025. The proposal comes in response to last year's safety report from the Federal Transit Administration. Boston City Council gets an update on the city's infrastructure this afternoon. Over the past six months, the city and state have been inspecting light poles, bridges, and other public works. City Council President Ed Flynn says the review began after a pedestrian was hurt by a falling light pole in South Boston in September. The status quo is unacceptable. We want answers We want to learn from this terrible tragedy and making sure that infrastructure is improved, updated, and safe for all. Flynn says increased monitoring may be needed because Boston winters and the proximity to the ocean create added wear on the city's infrastructure. A settlement's expected in a long-running lawsuit over police exams in Massachusetts. Nearly 600 officers of color tried to become sergeants between 2005 and 2012, but they were never promoted. They will be compensated after a judge found that the exams are discriminatory. The state tells the Telegram and that newspaper that the promotional exams will be reworked because of the lawsuit. A similar case was settled in Worcester in 2021. The New England Food Show wraps up today and its leftovers will not go to waste. Tim Cavaretta is with the nonprofit Food for Free and he says his group will collect excess food from the show in Boston so it can be distributed to people in need. We will go all, the, all around the room with carts and pallet jacks 
we have around 12 volunteers and staff who are going to be sweeping the room and picking up any good nutritious food that is left behind to uh, get to our partner agencies. Cavaretta expects to pick up about 16,000 pounds of food. It'll be taken to a warehouse in Somerville for distribution. There will be an inaugural celebration today for the president at Berkeley College of Music, even though she's been on the job for two years. Erica Mall took over leadership of the school in 2021 when it was still dealing with the pandemic. Now that coronavirus restrictions have eased, she'll deliver her inaugural address tonight. The time is seven minutes past eight. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Boston University's Killichand Honors College, presenting the acclaimed novelist Marilyn Robinson, April 11th at 6.30 p.m. in the Photonics Building. Admission is free. Reservations are required at robinsonbu.eventbrite.com. In sports, Red Sox lost to the Pittsburgh Pirates 7-6 to at Fenway last night. The Sox and Pirates meet again tonight. Also tonight, Celtics visit the Philadelphia 76ers. And our weather forecast, sunny today. Temperatures in the 60s inland, a bit cooler along the shore today. Tonight, some clouds move in. Some areas will see a shower. Temperatures in the 40s tonight. Tomorrow, some scattered showers with highs in the upper 40s. And Thursday, scattered showers but highs near 70 degrees. It is 47 degrees right now in Boston. WBUR supporters include Zoom. Zoom One is designed for AI-powered collaboration across phone, video, messaging, whiteboards, and work apps. Keeping global teams connected, one platform to connect, Zoom One. It's Layla Faldid from NPR's Morning Edition. The demonization of fact-based journalism is one of democracy's biggest threats. This aversion to truth has taken hold as the number of local newsrooms has dwindled, leaving reams of disinformation to fill the void. In public radio, we have a responsibility to counteract disinformation. This station is an oasis amid all the noise and fiction. Having a reporter at the school board meeting at City Hall, that is our resistance to the undermining of a free press. We resist by being there, by providing platforms for people to see themselves reflected and to see difference. We resist by building bridges and by holding people to account. We do it thanks to you. You give us the tools we need to fight attacks on truth by donating to this station. Here's how. Just call 1-800-909-9287. You can also pledge online at WBUR.org and do it now to resist with us. Join us and help WBUR have the resources that we need to really counter misinformation and to help inform the community. I'm Deborah Becker. I'm in the studio this morning with Robin Young, and it's the, it's almost over, our spring fundraiser here at WBUR. And spring would start. Well, the sun's out. Yeah, hey, the sun's that. out. It's it's not freezing. It's getting warmer. I'm thinking about the Cape. How about you? Okay. We're, we're getting there. It's uh, it's a pretty happy time. It's, and our spring fun drive ends tomorrow. And here's the deal. Today only, your pledge for the news, your, your pledge for resistance will be tripled. We have mm-hmm. some generous listeners who have agreed to triple every contribution today. So take advantage of that and make your donation now. 1-800-909-928. 7 wbur.org and we just heard from Leila Fallon who 
How much do you love her voice mm, on Morning Edition? I have like a little girl crush on her. I've been such an admirer. Her. Remember when she was a reporter? She came to Public Radio from the Washington Post, mm-hmm. but she was a reporter during the Arab uprising, exactly. the Arab yeah. Spring in Great in Egypt. Yeah. She was under fire, and just she's one of the loveliest most thoughtful voices we have on public radio if for her in the morning every morning for all the voices you've come to count on at WBUR and NPR make that call now 1-800-909-9287 online at wbur.org and Deb I have a I just came running down from our uh, morning meeting for here and now mm-hmm. where we're figuring out the day and we're going to be anchoring NPR's coverage of this afternoon's historic moment when right. for Former President Donald Trump is arraigned. He'll be indicted uh, in a courtroom in New York. So we're going to be covering that around 2 o'clock-ish. Mm-hmm. But then also at 3.30, uh, the district attorney, Alvin Bragg, is going to come out. He's going to have a press conference. Mm-hmm. We'll hear from that as well. We'll cover every minute of uh, of it for you. Of history being made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all we're asking is uh, that a donation be made, <laughs> a pledge be made uh, to help support that. 1-800-909-9287. WBUR.org. This is Ira Glass of This American Life from Public Radio International. One of the things that makes public radio different is the way that it's funded. We have the most idealistic system, the fairest system, the best system in the world. That is, those of us who listen all the time, those of us who like the kinds of stories and shows and analysis and music and authors that are on this radio station every day, those of us who like that kind of thing, we all pitch in together. And that's how it stays on the air. Public radio equals public support. If you can help out, give a call. Give a call at 1-800-909-9287. You can also give online at WBUR.org. And you know, it could be considered an idealistically funded system, but we're idealistic because of you, because we know that you appreciate this type of news coverage, and we know that you want us to keep bringing you the news and information. You want us to be strong so we can better serve you. So also, we know that you will likely take advantage of this terrific offer yeah. today. I uh, mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, three, three times? What more do you want from you, us? Yeah. Four? Oh, do you know the mic's on, Robin? Yeah. Oh. So do you know if you pledge today, your contribution will be tripled thanks to a group of generous listeners who have agreed to triple every donation on this second to last day of our spring fundraiser here at WBUR. Call now, 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. And thanks. We are funded by you, our listeners, and by Boston Ballet's Our Journey with La Mer, a world premiere about ocean preservation by choreographer Nanine Linning, April 6th to 16th, bostonballet.org, and Salem State University School of Graduate Studies. Join classmates with varied professional and educational backgrounds, salemstate.edu slash graduate. It's Morning Edition from NPR News. I'm Amy Martinez in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Steve Inskeep in Washington, D.C. It is not a day to drive into Manhattan. Several New York City streets will close as former President Trump heads downtown. He's going to surrender to authorities, give fingerprints, go into court, face an indictment on criminal charges. He is accused of covering up payments to an adult film star. He will be escorted from Trump Tower to the courthouse by the Secret Service. 
This has never happened before. Nothing like this has happened before. NPR senior political editor and correspondent Domenico Montanaro is following the politics of this moment. And when we spoke earlier this morning, we began by talking about how this affects Trump. Well, look, I, you know, we've seen this show before with Trump. You know, he's impeached twice, didn't really change anything. Not much moves the needle, really, uh, when it comes to Trump's base. And he's trying to capitalize here. He's been raising money off of this. His campaign says Trump has raised more than $7 million in the few days after the indictment. He's predictably making a pretty big show of it. You know, he's he is fighting a media request to have a camera in the courtroom because we know Trump in front of a crowd is much different than Trump at a court proceeding. But he is scheduled to speak later tonight, as you said. And most lawyers, you know, will tell their clients to stay quiet. Don't say anything that could hurt the case. That's not Trump. This is what he does. And let me read to you from uh, my dog-eared copy of Trump's Art of the Deal. And it says, from a bottom line business perspective, bad publicity is sometimes better than no publicity at all. <laughs> Not a maxim he invented. Many people have said that, but he follows it, it would seem. How are Republicans reacting to this bad publicity? It's really put them in a box. You know, Trump has really uh, gotten them to line up lockstep behind him. Republicans on Capitol Hill mostly blasted this New York prosecutor. They're echoing Trump's language that this is politically motivated. Now, it's not everyone in the Republican Party. We've seen a thin slice speak out against Trump, but very few. You know, we had one new candidate get in the race who denounced Trump. Uh, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, he says the criminal investigations against Trump, when taken together, are very serious and that Trump should not be running. Here he is talking to ABC News. Those are three very serious investigations. You might say one of them doesn't showcase anything, but when you look at all three of them combined, it should give Americans pause. You know, but he's pretty few and far between in the Republican Party. You know, these are three entities uh, conducting four investigations. You know, this one in New York, two by f the federal government, one in Georgia related to Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election. But take this for context uh, about how Trump is doing with Republicans. Sarah Longwell is a Republican pollster. She runs these focus groups of Republican voters. And she found for the first time this past week that no one in the focus group said that they would vote for DeSantis, Florida governor. Ron DeSantis over Trump. So Trump really does appear to be strengthening his grip on the base. That is a while since we've heard so many Trump voters who yeah. have said, I love the former president, but we need to move on. We need somebody fresh. Now they're back on Trump. Definitely. And, you know, look, the fact is here that he is really been able to take some of these investigations that he's called witch hunts and, you know, use them to be able to strengthen his grip on the Republican base. But, you know, with independents and Democrats, it's a totally different story. We're seeing this very unique sort of American political divergence where you have eight and 10 Republicans say they like Trump, three quarters of Republicans say that he should be president again, but six and 10 people overall say that he should not be, um, you know, and on the trail, Trump's Republican rivals really not using this as an opportunity. It could be one for a skilled and talented politician who could make the argument, but we haven't seen that emerge yet. NPR's Domenico Montanaro, thanks so much. You're welcome. Finland officially joins NATO today. The Nordic nation will double the security alliance's border with Russia. Finland's leaders race to join NATO after Russia invaded Ukraine. And after years of public opposition, polling shows Finns have come to embrace the move. But are there any downsides? Our next guest thinks so. Emma Ashford is a senior fellow at the foreign affairs think tank Stimson Center in Washington, D.C. Emma, before we get into the cons of Finland joining NATO, what's a pro? 
You know, the Finns have a long history of self-defense, resilience. They fought a war against Russia in the 1930s and into the 1940s for their own self-defense against the Soviet Union. Um, and they kept that up through the Cold War. So the Finns, I think, bring a mindset to NATO that, that is, is very beneficial and I think a lot of other European states could learn from. So what should be the biggest concern then for the world for Finland joining a NATO? So the big problems are the same as they often are when the NATO alliance expands. Um, you know, Finland is borders Russia. It, it adds, in fact, almost doubles the length of NATO's border with Russia. Um, and that opens us up to sort of a new space in terms of, uh, you know, we're exposed to Russian attacks going forward. Um, adding another member to NATO also makes the alliance more unwieldy. This has always been the case as the, as the alliance has grown in recent years. Um, and finally, there's that risk of, you know, burden sharing, right? As I said, the Finns have this long history of self-reliance, of self-defense. Um, but what we've seen is many European states, as soon as they're admitted to NATO, move away from that and start to rely more and more on U.S. capabilities. So, you know, I think there's upsides to Finland joining NATO, um, but I do think there are those downsides we should be aware of. Does this move allow Vladimir Putin to tell Russians, look, I was right. You see, NATO is trying to creep in on Russia. You know, I think that's that's always a concern. I am somewhat more concerned about the loss of states in Europe that have this sort of neutral mindset that can help to mediate between Russia and the West, that can help to act as a, you know, a, a conduit between Russia and the West. And what we've seen with the war in Ukraine, I mean, this is this is entirely at the feet of Vladimir Putin. It is his fault that this is happening. Um, but what we have seen is very much a hardening of that European environment into, you know, Russia and everybody else. And there are very few countries left that can play that that mediation role. Now, we thought it was supposed to be Finland and Sweden joining NATO together, but uh, Sweden's admission gets held up continuously by uh, Turkey so far. So what effect will that have on defense in the region to just have one of the two? Yeah, it's it's not ideal. Um, so, you know, Finland and Sweden, in fact, have long had defense cooperation, their militaries are very integrated. And so, um, you know, it's going to, I would say, add technical challenges as NATO defense planners try and, you know, bring Finland into all of the alliances, strategic planning and, and operational things, you know, that they have to basically accept that Sweden is outside and Finland is inside for right now. Finnish leaders obviously felt that it was better to be inside the alliance and reduce that sort of risk of, of this limbo period, even if Sweden weren't there. Um, but again, it's hardly an ideal circumstance. What does Turkey have to gain by holding up Sweden? Turkey has some serious policy disagreements, some with Finland, um, more so with Sweden, um, mostly related to the Kurdish question. Um, and there's also some suspicion, I think, that uh, Turkish President Erdogan is probably delaying his decision on this question until after Turkish elections in order to try and sort of bolster his the, the notion at home that he is standing up to to the West. So there's there's a possibility that after the elections he will change his mind on on Sweden. Um, but in general, there are these policy disagreements, and this again is one of these problems with expanding the alliance too far. Is we end up in a place where members in 
inside the alliance have serious policy security disagreement. Really quick in the last few seconds we have here, is it a safer world with Finland in NATO? You know, I, I think we would all hope so. Um, certainly Finns believe so, that the number of, of people in Finland in favor of joining NATO has swung dramatically since the invasion of Ukraine last year. Um, but again, I do worry. We have moved the NATO alliance right up to the border with Russia. Um, we have expanded our nuclear umbrella that far. And there are these security risks that we need to bear in mind. Emma Ashford, Senior Fellow at the Stimson Center. Emma, thanks. Thank you. Okay, picture this. You're living in the beautiful city of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. You're enjoying a quiet afternoon in your apartment, and then you hear this. That's the sound of British boys behaving badly, as captured by Twitter user Stein de Vries. Now, Amsterdam is rolling out an ad campaign telling the Brits to stay away. The videos will be targeted at young men in the UK who search online for terms such as pub crawl Amsterdam. Sebrin Benader lives in the city and is all too familiar with these groups. Completely wasted, vomiting in the streets, causing a lot of noise, smoking a lot of weed. Yeah, especially I think these UK males, they just travel in a small car, drive to the city, they just sleep in their car, they just party for a weekend. Benader is a financial tech developer and is not surprised that Amsterdam chose young British people as a target of this campaign. That's definitely the loudest and <laughs> the one that is uh, interrupting daily life the most. They're just like this stereotypical annoying tourist. Like if you close your eyes, you'll probably think of a British young male. The city says it'll direct ads at others later this year, but that doesn't matter to Marco Walker. He's the owner of Design Adventure, a UK travel agency that specializes in bachelor parties around Europe. My first reaction to it was it was discriminatory against the Brits. He points out that young men from other countries like to overindulge too. British guys do tend to drink, <laughs> but so do the Irish and so do the Germans as well. And perhaps I think the British are quite loud, but they're having fun. The majority of the British groups that I, I meet are very kind, caring and, and chatty and, and fun. All in all, Walker believes Amsterdam's campaign could work. You're going to get groups of guys look at the headlines and thinking, well, actually, is it worth going over there? Maybe we might get messy and we're going to get picked up and fined or even put in jail. But what if that's the life that some people want? City resident Benader thinks the campaign could backfire. They're basically warning about the risks of drinking and taking drugs. Well, I think that's actually why they're coming to the city. This is like putting an R rating on a movie. It makes some people want to see it more. Darling, you got to let me know. This is NPR News. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Office of the Massachusetts State Treasurer. Check to see if you have unclaimed property at findmassmoney.com. And Metro West Subaru, where same-day and next-day service appointments are available. Service until 9 on Route 9 in Natick. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. At WBUR and NPR, we bring you the kind of journalism that makes a difference in the world. Journalism with real impact requires a significant investment from our reporters and editors and our listeners. Our contributing listeners provide the largest share of WBUR's funding. So when you hear a story that makes a difference to you, make a contribution to us. 
go to WBUR.org or call 1-800-909-9287. And thank you. And make your donation today because on this day of WBUR Spring Fundraiser, it's it's really an incredible day because your contribution to WBUR is tripled right now. Mm-hmm. So so make that donation now as soon as you can because your money will go three times as far. How about a $100 pledge will be $300. A $500 contribution will be $1,500. This is thanks to a group of generous listeners from WBUR's Murrow Society. And all we're asking you to do is consider all the news and information. And, and as Magna said, we invest in bringing you the stories and making sure that we have the journalists and the editors and everything here to bring you the information you want. We're asking you to invest in us today and do it today before the spring fundraiser ends tomorrow. Tomorrow and do it right now because when you do make that contribution now, it is tripled. Here's the number again. It's 800-909-9287. The website, WBUR.org. I'm Deborah Becker. With me in the studio this morning, Robin Young. Good morning. Morning to you. And it has been just a terrific morning. Mm. We've heard from so many of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, if, if we could, we would bring you some of these little Dunkin' Donut holes that we have out there that we are plowing through. One. Uh, no, sorry. One eight hundred. But you know how many they make the different. One eight hundred nine zero nine nine two eight seven. WBUR.org. We really appreciate you who've stepped up. If you haven't, let's just talk for a second. We understand that there are people who this isn't the time for you. That's fine. Uh, please keep tuning into WBUR. We need your, you know, emotional support as well. Uh, that's fine. We understand there will come a time when you can. If you can and you haven't, think about that. You know, just ask yourself why. You know, I mean, I was just like this. I, I would drive around and say, why aren't those people contributing? What is wrong with that? And then I, I realized I hadn't ever done it myself. <laughs> 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. A little soul searching. And if you can, make that call because now's the time. Tripling your pledge. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. I don't I think we've I don't remember a triple pledge so I think this is pretty spectacular I don't remember it either yeah. so so really uh, make your pledge now and make sure that you your money will go that much farther to help pay for the news you will make sure that your money is tripled right now so 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org 1-800-909-9287 WBUR.org we are gearing up here for an historic day uh, in news. Uh, oh you know, uh, Donald Trump is going to be going from Trump Tower first to Alvin Bragg's office, the district mm-hmm. attorney. He'll be he'll surrender himself, turn himself in. Uh, then they will go to the courthouse where the indictment will be unsealed and we'll finally hear what a grand jury, and this is just people like you and me who were called into jury duty, and a majority of these 23 people decided that this was a case worth pursuing. We'll decide, we'll hear why. What are the charges? And this has been kind of a mystery because we understand at the heart of this is a a hush payment to uh, Stormy Daniels. Nothing illegal about hush money, but it was the way it might have been used as campaign uh, uh, money. We'll find out what those charges are. But are there other charges too? 
We're going to find out. Right. 1-800-909-9287 to pay for that coverage. And we're going to find out with Robin Young leading the, the coverage for National Public Radio later mm-hmm. today. We're bringing you all of that news. We're, we're bringing you history today, mm-hmm. right? And we bring you all the other news and information that you need to have, really, to make sense of your world. And what we're asking you to do before WBUR's spring fundraiser ends tomorrow is make your donation. Make it as soon as you can. And And do it now, because right now, your contribution for the news is tripled. This is because a group of really generous listeners has decided that they're going to do their part and and do what they can to encourage everyone to support the news. And so It's real, by the way. (laughs) It's real. There's all sorts of checks and balances on this stuff. So triple. Uh, If you can pledge 500, it's 1,500. Pledge 1,000, it's 3,000. Whatever you can do, do it now, because that amount will be triple the amount for the news and information you get here on WBUR. 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. Thank you. Support for NPR comes from this station and from PBS with the Sun Queen. American Experience presents the story of scientist Maria Telkesh, who dedicated her career to harnessing the power of the sun. Premiering tonight at 9, 8 central on PBS. From Viking, Committed to exploring the world in comfort, offering a small ship experience with a shore excursion included in every port, destination-focused dining, and programs designed for cultural enrichment. Viking.com And from the Association of Plastic Recyclers, whose member companies recycle plastic packaging into new products, working towards a world where everyone uses less by recycling more. Learn more at plasticsrecycling.org. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Nora Rahm. Former President Trump is to be arraigned today in connection to hush money paid to actress Stormy Daniels shortly before the 2016 presidential election. NPR's Andrea Bernstein reports he's to appear in a criminal court in Manhattan this afternoon. Procedure calls for him to be fingerprinted, processed and eventually walked to the courtroom, which is on the 15th floor of this building. Mm -hmm. And it's a pretty long hallway down to the courtroom at the end of the hall with Judge Juan Mershon. In that courtroom, Trump is expected to plead not guilty and to hear the charges against him. Finland becomes a member of NATO today, completing an historic security shift triggered by Russia's war in Ukraine. NPR's Rob Schmitz reports. NATO welcomes Finland as its 31st member in a flag-raising ceremony at the bloc's headquarters in Brussels. Finland has attempted to maintain relations with Russia even after fending off an invasion attempt by the Soviet Union in World War II. But Russia's invasion of Ukraine marked the end of an era and prompted the Nordic country to seek security under NATO's collective defense, which states that an attack on one member is an attack on all. A passenger train derailed in the Netherlands early this morning. Officials say one person was killed and 19 others were injured. The train had been traveling from the city of Leiden to The Hague when it went off the tracks. You're listening to NPR News from Washington. This is 90.9 WBUR in Boston. Good morning. I'm Deborah Becker. Congressman Bill Keating wants American companies to stop doing business in Russia. He's introducing a bill that condemns companies that are operating there. Keating says the money from their businesses is funding the war in Ukraine. The MBTA says it may not be able to meet deadlines to electrify its bus fleet. The current zero emissions goals call for the 
NCT to electrify 30 percent of its fleet by 2028 with full electrification by 2040. T officials tell the Boston Globe that unforeseen costs and supply chain issues could set back that timeline. A new exhibition at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston is celebrating the Japanese artist behind one of history's most famous images. WBUR's Andrea Shea reports. Katsushika Hokusai created the Great Wave's curling cobalt blue crest in the mid-19th century. These days, the image is so iconic, it's an emoji. Now, the wave is the centerpiece in Hokusai inspiration and influence at the MFA. Kendall DeBoer is the museum's curatorial assistant of contemporary art. Although the Museum of Fine Arts Boston has done multiple iterations of a large blockbuster show of Hokusai in the past, the thing that really sets this one apart Part is that we are looking at multiple decades of his influence across space and time. 300 works connected to Hokusai will be on display at the MFA through July 16th. For 90.9 WBUR, I'm Andrea Shea. The time is 8.35. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by William James College's Hybrid Graduate Certificate in Executive Coaching. Boost your career or start a new one. Apply now for fall, williamjames.edu. In sports, the Red Sox two-game winning streak ended. Last night, they fell to the Pittsburgh Pirates 7-6 at Fenway. The Sox and Pirates play again tonight. The Celtics tonight visit the Philadelphia 76ers. Boston is two games out of the top playoff spot in the Eastern Conference with four games left to play. Our weather forecast says mostly sunny this afternoon. Temperatures in the 60s, inland, cooler along the coast. Tonight, some clouds move in. There could be a shower or two. Temperatures will be in the 40s. Tomorrow, some scattered showers, highs in the upper 40s, and more showers on Thursday, but temperatures Thursday near 70 degrees. It is 47 degrees right now in Boston. Support for NPR comes from this station and from Bank of America offering access to resources and digital tools designed to help local to global companies make moves for their businesses. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness. And from Procter & Gamble, maker of Nervive Nerve Relief. Nervive is designed to reduce occasional nerve aches, weakness, and discomfort in hands or feet due to aging. Learn more at nervivehealth.com. This is Morning Edition from NPR News. I'm Martinez in Culver City, California. And I'm Steve Inskeep in Washington, D.C. Wisconsin voters decide today who they want to control the state's Supreme Court. There are seven justices on that court. They vote on big cases the way the U.S. Supreme Court does. Like the U.S. Supreme Court, they are ideologically divided in Wisconsin. And the election of one seat today decides who gets to be the referee in one of the big presidential swing states. Wisconsin Public Radio's political reporter Sean Johnson is covering this. Sean, good morning. Hi, Steve. So is this essentially a battle between Republicans and Democrats then? So technically, no. These are officially nonpartisan seats, but they are very partisan. On the Democratic side, you have Milwaukee County Judge Janet Protasiewicz. She's been very outspoken about her personal beliefs in this campaign. On the Republican side, you have former state Supreme Court Justice Dan Kelly. He has shared less about himself, says he wants to be a boring justice on the court, but his Republican resume is very long. And we have three liberals, three conservatives, and this one seat open in the middle. What are the big issues that this judge could be the swing vote on? 
At the top of the list, I think, is abortion. When the U.S. Supreme Court struck down Roe versus Wade last year, Wisconsin's pre-Civil War abortion ban went back into effect. If Protosewitz wins, the court could also hear a case on redistricting that challenges the state's Republican-drawn legislative and congressional maps. And, of course, whoever's in control of this court will hear lawsuits about the 2024 election when those are filed. I think we're getting a picture of why this would be the most expensive state Supreme Court anywhere in the country on record. How much are we talking about at this point? So the old record for a state Supreme Court race anywhere was $15 million. That was set in Illinois in 2004, according to the Brennan Center for the Justice. Brennan says about $29 million has now been spent so far in Wisconsin's race on advertising. Another review of overall spending by the website WIS Politics pegs it at $45 million. So you're looking at two or three times the old record already. Wow. As far as candidate fundraising goes, Protasiewicz has far outpaced Kelly with a big assist from the state Democratic Party. But in the closing days of the race, conservative money from outside groups has come in big for Kelly and closed that gap. And those conservative ads have almost all been on the issue of crime, attacking Protasiewicz for sentences she handed down as a Milwaukee County judge. Sean, I've heard a critique of judicial elections in the past, essentially that people never really know the candidates. Voters are not that engaged in a very small group of people or a political faction can get their people in. Is that what's happening here? I think it's safe to say at this point in the race that both sides now realize the importance of this campaign and what's at stake. Conservative activist Bob Donnell organized a recent Get Out the Vote party for Kelly. He said that if Protosiewicz wins, the court could overturn everything from union laws to voting laws to gun laws. We know that this election is really, really key. There's so many things up for grabs that the courts can throw out. And on the Democratic side, they view this court race as a chance to finally move Wisconsin's politics to the left. Protestant supporters like Alexandria Del Court are also highly motivated by the abortion issue. It's really important for me to have a candidate that is a champion for reproductive rights, reproductive freedom, just because there are so many places now where that's being stripped away so violently. And you can't really overstate the importance of this race for Wisconsin. A Kelly win would preserve the court's conservative majority probably for another couple of years. A Protosiewicz win would give liberals a majority in the court for the first time in 15 years. Hmm. Sean Johnson of Wisconsin Public Radio. Thanks so much. Thanks, Steve. Every five years, Congress has to reauthorize the Farm Bill. That's a piece of legislation that governs things such as food stamps and farm subsidies. This year, some lawmakers are hoping to include measures to curb climate change. This comes as the latest figures from the Department of Agriculture show that about 11 percent of all greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S. comes from, yeah, you guessed it, agriculture. Here's NPR's Jimena Bustillo. Jonathan Godes, the mayor of Glenwood Springs, Colorado, has a go bag at his front door. His wife and two daughters each have one too. That's because he's had to evacuate three times in 15 years due to wildfires in the region. And anytime there's a dry summer, you're sitting on your deck and you see a little plume of smoke come up and you go, gosh, is that a cloud? Is that a fire somewhere? How close is it? In 2020, the Grizzly Creek Fire burned 30,000 acres and shut down Interstate 70, a major highway cutting across the state. The next summer, the town was hit again, this time by flooding. Because the fire had burned trees, brush, and ground cover, the ground wasn't able to absorb the water, and Interstate 70 was washed out. Goads and his family rode out the storm. 
it was a huge impact for us locally, for the region, and and really the country even uh, when you take out a, a transportation route like that. And then obviously we're seeing more and more of those events. Now he's been working with his members of Congress to include funding for disaster recovery in the next Farm Bill. Across the American West, farmers, foresters, and mayors are turning to Congress for money to prevent and recover from climate disasters. The Farm Bill has long authorized conservation programs. They help implement different ways of farming to improve soil health and reduce emissions. It also supports the U.S. Forest Service and funding for forest management. This year, lawmakers are considering ways to improve relief programs. Proponents want to increase public awareness about the programs and help farmers apply for them. Historically, the Republican Party has resisted efforts to address climate change, but many GOP members also represent rural areas on the front lines of climate disasters. Kathy Day, Climate Policy Coordinator at the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition, says more Republicans may now be open to the conversation. It's definitely changed in terms of what individual offices are willing to talk about, but there are also some very strong political lines that get drawn around what solutions ought to look like. And so that continues to make it uh, an often complex conversation. Last year, Democrats secured a record $20 billion to expand conservation programs, but some Republicans have proposed repealing those funds and allocating them to programs not related to climate. Other Democrats have their own plans in mind for this year's Farm Bill. Senator Michael Bennett of Colorado is pushing to include $60 billion to restore and manage forests. Current situation that we have is completely untenable because we're spending 30 times more to recover from severe wildfires after they burn than we do to prevent wildfires in the first place. He says there's a connection between the health of forests in the West and local economies, and he hopes the agriculture panels continue the conversation. Almost every single farmer and rancher in every single farming and ranching community in the West is downstream from the national forests that we're talking about here. I can't think of a more appropriate place to have this discussion. Lawmakers have until September 30th to write the 2023 Farm Bill. Jimena Bustillo, NPR News. This is NPR News. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Waterstone a new luxury, independent, and assisted living community with social and wellness programs and fine dining on Watertown Street in Lexington, waterstonelexington.com. I'm Andrea Kissick, and I lead NPR's new Climate Desk. There are few stories that touch people's lives the way climate change does. Our coverage explores that impact nationally and globally. This year, we're bringing you more climate solutions reporting to look at how we all meet this critical moment together. It really does take all of us. Support the future of NPR's climate journalism by donating to this station right now. And here's how you can donate. You can call 1-800-909-9287, or you can go to our website and make your contribution there at WBUR.org. I'm Deborah Becker. With me in the studio this morning is Robin Young, and, and it's really a big day for WBUR Spring Fundraiser, aside from being a really big day in history with uh, the arraignment of President Trump in New York this afternoon. And, of course, Robin will be leading the coverage for National Public Radio on that from right here mm-hmm. in our studios in Boston. But it's a big day 
today for WBUR's spring fundraiser as well. And here's why. The fund drive is ending tomorrow, but today, right now actually, a group of generous listeners has decided to join together and triple triple all the pledges coming in. So were you going to make a $50 pledge? Because that'll be worth $150 for the news right now. How about a $1,000 pledge? That would be worth $3,000 because these listeners have agreed to triple all the contributions coming in on this second to last day of the WBUR spring fundraiser. So let your money help pay for the news that much more by making your donation right now. Here's the number again. It's 800-909-9287. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Uh, because you have the question that we have every day. What's going to happen today? Mm. What's going to happen today? And you turn on your radio to find out. And today big historic day. We have uh, the first ever former president, president of any kind of the United States uh, will be, will surrender to a district attorney and will be uh, formally charged. Uh, We'll have the indictment unsealed. We'll see what the charges are. We'll find out whether or not uh, Donald Trump's lawyers are going to ask for a change of venue. They want to move the the, uh, setting to Staten Island, which they see as a more conservative area where the jurors in a potential trial might be Uh, more conservative than the ones in Manhattan. We're going to see all of this, you know, what is going to happen? What are the charges? You're going to hear it right here. We're just asking that you help us, you know, undergird our coverage of the news by making that pledge. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. I can't say enough. Spend time on WBUR.org. The storytelling there, the reporting, there's there's content there that you don't hear on the air because we got too much of it, you know. There's pictures, there's videos, there's just commentary from people like you, you know, our Cognoscenti, which is just a wonderful addition uh, to WBUR. It's all there because of you. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. You know, do it now if you can. Call a friend. (laughs) Say, (laughs) hey, uh, you know, they're doing this thing and it's three times or whatever. And, you know, it's important. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. You know, you said undergird our coverage. I kind of like that. Is that a word? Yeah, yeah, it is a word. Not not so much I like the sound of the word, but, you know, I like the idea. Idea because it really is saying, give us this the strong foundation that we need to give you the reporting that helps you make sense of your world. And and whether it's reporting on climate change or Beacon Hill or today's historic developments in New York with the arraignment of former President Trump, it's all here for you. And here's the deal. It's such a big day in our fundraiser. We're ending this tomorrow. So mm-hmm. we're hoping to raise the money we need to bring you all that news coverage. But, but before it ends, today day only, right now really, is when a group of generous listeners is offering to triple the pledges coming in. We don't know how long this is going to last, so um, we're hoping that we'll be able to triple as many as possible, so we need you to do your part and call in with your donation now so it will be three times what it would have been otherwise. 1-800-909-9287. You know, uh, we're going to bring you the news today. But we're also going to bring you the news down the road. We're not just breaking news every single second. Mm -hmm. We are thoughtful, stand back, and what do we do now uh, content. And what do we do 
about a country that's so divided. We heard Domenico Montanaro today talking right. about uh, the Republican strategist findings that focus groups are more hardened than ever in their support of Donald Trump with these charges. What do we do? about that America as we go forward. We'll be there for that as well. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. We're there for you. Just asking you to be there for us. Invest in us today. Invest in us right now when your donation for the news is tripled. 1-800-909-9287. Thank you. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Boston University's Kilichand Honors College. Presenting the acclaimed novelist Marilyn Robinson, April 11th at 6.30 p.m. in the Photonics Building. Admission is free. Reservations are required at robinsonbu.eventbrite.com. It's Morning Edition from NPR News. I'm Steve Inskeep. And I'm A. Martinez. UConn is the 2023 NCAA Men's Basketball National Champion. They beat San Diego State last night, 76-59. The Washington Post's Chuck Culpepper was at the game, joins us now from Houston. Chuck, uh, talk us through what happened last night because UConn never seemed to be uh, in doubt of winning this game. Well, we had a senseless tournament for three weeks. <laughs> and, uh, and it came to a little bit of sense at the end. Um, with UConn doing what it had done through the whole thing, which was to control the game. And it took a 16-point lead in the first half. Uh, San Diego State, this unexpected finalist, uh, brought it back to within five with 5.19 to go, which was quite a jolt given the way UConn had played. But then UConn did what it does and which is hard to do, which is to have so much talent, know-how, and cohesion that they they pulled it away again. Yeah, normally in these situations, Chuck, we play a highlight of the final call, but we we listen to all of them from TV to radio, everywhere. They're all just kind of like, eh, because UConn has been so dominant. All of their games in the tournament, they've won by an average of 20 points. I mean, this is as dominant as a team can possibly get. Yeah, I'm surprised you, I'm a little surprised you don't want your listeners to hear maybe um, sound of somebody just dribbling out the clock while the clock runs down and nothing happening and then a horn. But they won their six games by an aggregate of 120 points. There are four champions since 1985 in the current format who have done that one by but at least that many. I think they're the fourth highest all-time UConn is. And it just, they never played a game where you had to make one of those escapes that you know shortens the lifespans of your fans and and that we all know March Madness to be about and they just never had to run across that and there are teams from time to time Villanova in 2018 was one where that's true but it is kind of rare. Tell us about uh, the person that was named MVP UConn center Adama Sanogo why was he the, the best player of the tournament? Well he he put together extraordinary numbers including 50 of 75 from the field so two-thirds of his shots he made which is and just really commanded the scene out there game after game and I think we often you know we'll we'll hear the pregame introductions and we'll hear that a player is from Mali as he is or Ghana as a San Diego State player was and we we go you know this is a regular thing now in our sport in this little neighborhood sport that we have over here in this part of the globe college basketball but it is extraordinary that these young at their teenagers when they come here usually to play at high schools and they come all this way on their own and they you know and when they have a stage like last night and when they soar like he did on it it's it's really quite something something to think about 
UConn has five national championships, all since 1999. Does this now put them in the same class as the college basketball blue bloods, such as Kentucky and UCLA? It's absolutely up there, and you would have to, and it really didn't get started with that kind of thinking until Jim Calhoun got there as coach in 1986. So, but it's absolutely up there with them, and in fact, you would have to think about the fact that with five titles on the last quarter century, two more than anybody else, they can make the argument that they're above all the others if you wanted to stipulate that that argument, you know, sort of hinges on titles alone, which is the hardest thing to get. Chuck Culpepper, sports reporter with The Washington Post. Thanks. Thank you. It's Morning Edition from NPR News. I'm Ian Martinez. And I'm Steve Inskeep. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Tanglewood and the Boston Symphony Orchestra. A trip to Tanglewood this summer opens a world of possibilities. Tickets on sale at bso.org slash Tanglewood. I'm Anthony Brooks. There is an inseparable link between the journalism that you rely on from WBUR and the listener support that makes it possible. Listener support continues to carry WBUR like never before. That's why your monthly gift is so important right now. To give, go to WBUR.org or call 1-800-909-9287. And thanks. And thank you if you have given to WBUR during this spring fundraiser, which, by the way, ends tomorrow. But if you haven't, Today, right now, really, is the time to give because right now we are offering to triple your contributions for the news. It's not actually us. It's a group of generous listeners who have said we will triple all the pledges coming in to WBUR on uh, Tuesday morning. So here we are. It's Tuesday morning, and we are offering you this opportunity to have your money go three times as far to help pay for the news. So if you haven't had a chance to make that donation yet, do it now when your pledge will be tripled. 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. I'm Deborah Becker. I'm in the studio this morning with Robin Young. And let's do a little shout out here from, okay. from the experienced journalists that we have here at WBUR. What? Experienced. Where? Who? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying old. I'm saying experienced. <laughs> veteran <laughs> journalists. Robin Young, Anthony Brooks, who we just heard from, Martha Biebinger, Andrea Shea. You. We've got Le- uh, Lisa Mullins, Lynn Jolliker. Lisa We've Mullins. Got, right? We've got a real strong Can I say, crew. Yeah. Lisa Mullins, I try to get her to like say something gossipy to say <laughs> the other day on the fundraiser I even tried to get her to say we were sending people away on a you know vaca- <laughs> dream vacation where would you go the journalist she would not take mm. a stand mm-hmm. on which country she <laughs> would go to on her trip she's just the most pure I try so hard to get her to say okay, something stop. mean <laughs> anyway continue anyway anyway where'd we go here uh, pay for the experienced yes. journalists who Bring you the news that you want to hear, the local news, the national news, the the folks like Robin Young who who will be uh, hosting the national coverage of this historic day in New York today when former President Trump faces arraignment in Manhattan. It's all here for you. And and these folks really work hard and, and know how to tell the story and understand the nuances of a story and have the institutional knowledge that makes these stories valuable. So how about supporting that right now? And when you make your pledge now, it is true. Tripled. 
1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. And Deb Becker, you know who is in that category you just mentioned? Somebody who came up through the ranks at NPR, held every single job, including the top jobs in the news division. All the news jobs is Margaret Lowe, our, our boss. We have tens of thousands of supportive listeners, members, people who tell us that we're their lifeline, that even on the hardest news days, we remind them of their humanity. But the truth is, it's gotten harder and harder to find new members, and that scares us. I mean, it definitely keeps me up at night. Stations across the country are experiencing the same decline in the number of donors at a time when we know trustworthy information is so crucial to our collective well-being. So... My hope is that our listeners can help us buck this trend. We know that many of you listening spend more time with WBUR than you do with some of the people you love most. We also know that there are so many good causes to support. But if we matter in your life at all, if you can't imagine a day or a week without WBUR and NPR, we'd love to hear from you. We would love to hear from you. We would love to get a contribution from you, especially right now when contributions to this radio station during our spring fundraiser are being tripled. So here's, it's a great reason Mm -hmm. to give and to do it now. Here's the number. It's 1-800-909-9287 or give at our website, WBUR.org. 1-800-909-9287, WBUR.org. And as Margaret said, we want new members, and we know we're competing, especially with younger new members. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're competing with a lot of stuff out there. You're listening to I don't even know anymore what's <laughs> going on, um, but we know we're, we're competing. But you're listening now, and you know you're hearing this these incredible, wonderful young journalists that we have on the air here. How about stepping up? It's very easy. You don't have to like go to a secret room and take a blood pledge or something. It's not like that. It's just that you pledge to support. And by the way, you will become involved. We have city space. We are sold out. You know, Kara Bush um, Goucher is uh, going to be here tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the incredible runner who blew the lid on one of running's biggest scandals. You know, we, we, this is a great place to gather as well. But we're asking you to gather virtually uh, around wherever you get uh, your radio and make that call, 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. That's right. The journalism you hear on the radio, uh, the journalism you can read on our website, uh, say on your phone if you'd like, the podcasts you can listen to, the discussions at City, uh, City Space that bring this community together, that help keep you better informed about all of the issues affecting the world and affecting us here in Boston. If you know that this is a real, WBUR is a real resource for you, to better understand your world, then make your contribution during this spring fundraiser and do it right now because now all contributions are being tripled. Thanks tripled. to a tripled, thanks mm-hmm. to a group of very generous listeners. Thank you so much. But the fundraiser ends tomorrow, so get uh, get in on it now and get your pledge tripled. 1-800-909-9287. Thank you. WBUR supporters include Lauren Hollerin with Gibson Sotheby's International Realty in Cambridge. Real estate brokerage that is grounded in data and committed to thoughtful design. LaurenHolleran.com. I'm Ideas and Opinion Editor Chloe Axelson, and this is 90.9 WBUR-FM Boston, 92.7 WBUA-Tisbury, and 89.1 WBUH-Brewster. Listen anytime with our app or at WBUR.org. 
WBUR, Boston's NPR news station.